I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello, one and all. I'd like to invite you to another Guardians of Grace podcast. I'm Guard Dog Steve, and unfortunately, Bill, my partner, isn't here today, and it's because he's got the COVID. He really does. He has COVID and can't be here, so I'm flying solo, which is okay. I get to hog the show. I'm, I'm happy about that. My partner, Bill, I'm concerned, and I hope that you'll pray for him because this virus is, is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> get it? The, the virus is a very serious thing, and it leads me to believe I should just ask you out there listening to the podcast to pray for Bill and I, because we do seem to be attacked. Me with the pancreas having to be removed, and then this week, now Bill's got the COVID, but it seems to be nonstop one thing after another trying to prevent us from putting out a, a quality podcast. So we do need your prayers. We need your support. We have a guy that's helping us with several aspects of the podcast that we're paying him, but we're, we're just paying him out of our pockets to do so. You know, you can't actually run a ministry that way. It's not how it works. But by the grace of God, we will prevail. And this word that comes from our Bibles, Bibles that Bill and I have come to love and are totally addicted to reading. We were actually apprehended by these Bibles. The, the Bibles apprehended us. We didn't choose to be readers of the Word. The choice was made for us, and we just developed unbelievable desires to read the Word. Read the Word over eating and sleeping just all night long. Can't get enough of the, of the word calling each other in the middle of the night and just sharing revelation after revelation because the Bible just reveals so much. And that's actually what I want to talk about tonight is the Bible, the Bible that we read, not as a document that was well written, but as it really is, it's the living and energetic Word of God, able to divide between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It is the Word of God living between two book covers. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. They are alive, and nothing has ever beaten this book. Nothing has ever triumphed over the book because they've tried to get rid of it over the centuries and never could. It's always been the best-selling book 
of all times. There's never been a year that it's not the best-selling book. Never been a year in all these centuries, generation after generation, century after century, decade after decade, the Bible rules as far as the coverage, how many people buy and read the Bible. No other book could get 3% of what the Bible does and how many times it's purchased. It, it just doesn't come through. And it's because this book is not just humanly written. It, it was written by the prophets who were enabled by the Holy Spirit to write the things that they wrote. It's just so obvious that it was the Spirit writing through them and that it was just one single person writing this Bible, all 66 books of this Bible, were written by a single person named Jesus, naturally. But Jesus being inside of those prophets has orchestrated situations to line up in certain ways that we can get a, a central theme to the Bible. The Holy Spirit has moved nations back and forth and, and around, up and down to create events that teach us about what the Bible wants us to know about when we get, let's say, to the epistles. In other words, the Old Testament, the Torah, the, the Psalms, the prophets, if you just take that document, it becomes glaringly obvious that it's incomplete without the New Testament to go with it. I guess we should look at some examples of just how thorough, how complete, and how, what's the word, tedious God was with the writing of this Bible. But before we do, let me just make a declaration. There's 66 books in the Bible but there's only one author, and we know who that is. It's Jesus. Jesus spoke through his spirit in the prophets, in the governors and the people that the stories are about. It's Christ in them speaking to give us this document from God called the Bible. But let's just look at a, a passage that I, I want us to see. And it's in First Peter chapter 1, maybe starting in verse 8. It says, And though you have not seen him, you love him and greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is salvation. The outcome of believing in Christ is that you feel saved. You feel that you were made righteous in God's eyes. And it goes on to say, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ with in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. 
is point blank telling us that it was the spirit of Christ in these prophets and they didn't know what they were predicting. They were searching with great inquiry, trying to figure out what they just said. They didn't know what they had said, but they knew it was to benefit us. That's you and me in the 21st century, the readers of the document that was finally put together by the God of the universe who wrote it and gave it to us to read. It's not a natural document. It's a spirit natural document, a supernatural document. And this is saying they did not know what they were talking about when the spirit of Christ in them predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to see. It literally means angels stoop down to see this grace that was given to us, to see what this Bible means. The angels do. It's not just a book for us. The angels long to get a glimpse of what this Bible is about. It supersedes just a book written to humanity. God had a greater purpose for this book when he wrote it. And it said they carefully searched, trying to figure out what they were writing. And the angels stooped down low, long, longing to understand what is written in this Bible. And you and I have this document to read. We have this book from God, a book from a God to humans that we can read. What a privilege that is. He didn't write a book for anybody else. He didn't write it for the animals or anything else. But he wrote a book that you and I can read, and it's full of marvelous wonders. It just goes on and on and on with spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words. Let me say that again. Spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words. The Bible is telling you about spiritual things. It's the only way you'll get to know anything about spiritual things is to read the Bible. And not only that, let me just read to you what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse, verse 20. But know this first of all. Know this more than anything else that you know. No prophecy of Scripture is matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Men that were moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God 
these scriptural, and that's what it says here, these scriptural prophecies. In other words, there's so many prophecies in the Bible that the Bible prophesied to you. And we'll get into them because you would see that the Old Testament is just not complete. It, it gets completed in the New Testament. That's where it, it ties itself up and makes a bow for us. It's not till we get to the New Testament, but they were moved by the Holy Spirit to say some pretty peculiar things, things that did not make sense. And when you're reading the Old Testament and you're reading the storyline of a particular story, all of a sudden the prophet will say something that it doesn't actually fit the story. It doesn't fit in where it, it was placed. But it was a prophecy sometimes thousands of years before the actual event took place. God was prophesying it through these prophets who could not interpret what Christ in them was saying. They couldn't interpret it. Isn't that what it says right here? It says, first of all, know this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. They didn't know what they were saying. They couldn't figure it out. And so they, like the angels, stooped down longing to understand this grace that they were speaking about and clueless of. They desperately wanted to know, and they never did get to know. The knowledge came later when the apostles were allowed to preach the gospel to you, and the apostles would take the old covenant prediction and show you in the gospels of Mark, Luke, John, or Matthew, would show you the fulfillment of those prophecies, which, which in itself, in itself, that proves that the Bible is real. Because how can you prophesy something a thousand years before it happens and prophesy one part of a prophecy through Ezekiel and then the other part of the same prophecy through Jeremiah? Not even use the same prophet to prophesy like a single sentence. It was one sentence was split by two different prophets. That's how amazing this Bible is, and that's how well orchestrated this Bible is, and it's all to give us a mental picture of the things that the angels long to look into. It just blows my mind what a book this is that I have the pleasure of reading. And oh, believe me, I have not always understood what I was reading, but I've always said, Lord, I, under, I don't understand this passage, but I believe it with the best of my understanding, and I don't understand how this passage does not contradict another passage, but I believe both passages, and I'll leave it up to you to sort it out for me. And God has, by his miraculous power, he's brought back to remembrance other things that were written in the Bible. And they create the picture that gives me the revelation. 
and allows me to harmonize these scriptures together, but without the Holy Spirit reminding me of all the things that Jesus said throughout the pages of this book, the picture doesn't become clear. But because of the Holy Spirit reminding me and guiding me into all truth, unbelievable, unbelievable, fantastic things have been revealed to me that things that just keep me up at night or make me run stop signs and and just completely, totally grasp the day I'm having and allow me to not function anymore during the day because of the, the power of the revelation that I've received from this book. The book has the power to do that to you. You can experience revelation. Did you know that revelation can be a sensation? And you can experience that reading this book. Book is no mere book. The book is no mere book. Let me tell you that book is not a mere book. But God wrote this through the Spirit of Christ, through these people. And you can see how he took the Old Testament and orchestrated events after events after events, let's say like Noah in the flood. He said, I'm going to destroy the world, and but I'm going to make a, an ark for you and your family, and I'll destroy the whole world, but just you guys, and you can start all over again. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just wipe out the whole world? Like he said, why did he have to start over again? Why? Because it was a picture of us having all our human capabilities destroyed, but leaving us the Spirit of God in us to continue living. I mean, isn't that what it says right here in in Peter? Doesn't it say that Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. And I'm reading out of 1 Peter 3.18, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. See, the, the Noah's Ark thing was the spirit of God that would survive the flood and allowed to to go on, where all the flesh, everything that we don't like about ourselves, was drowned in the flood. It's just a picture of what God did for us through Jesus Christ. And he set up and orchestrated some pretty catastrophic events at that time to give us a mental image of being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. There was a remnant that was made alive, and the remnant was Noah and his family, and the rest of humanity died. The rest of the flesh died. There was a remnant in you and I that it talks about in Romans 11, and it says we have a remnant within us, if we didn't have the remnant within us, we would be totally destroyed. The same idea again, that God makes these pictures in the Old Testament 
that show us a revelation in the New Testament that is how well designed this book is. It's designed, the construction of this book just blows the mind. That's, that's just all it is to it. The more you study this book and the more you see how God designed it, the, the more in awe you are. The more in awe you are. Look at the deal with Sarah and Abraham saying, you're going to have a baby, but you shouldn't be able to because you're 99 years old. You're past the age of delivering babies, but you're going to do it anyway because you're going to be a picture of what I'm going to do with a virgin. I'm going to cause a virgin to give birth, and I want you to be the picture 2,500 years before the virgin gives birth. I want you, Sarah, to be the picture of it so that people have a mental image about a virgin giving birth to the Son of God, because it was that important for God to make it clear to us that he orchestrated those things back in history so that they would be recorded, and then we would have the benefit of reading those two stories side by side the story in the Old Testament and then how it gets fulfilled through Mary in the New Testament. We would have that picture that it takes both Old and New Testaments or covenants to bring it out so that it has meaning to us, but it's just part of this book. That's how God did it in this book. He's done it over and over and over again just example after example after example. Look with me at Psalm 22 and tell me if you thought the, the prophet who prophesied these prophesies, remember it says no prophecy is a matter of one's own interpretation. Tell me if you think the prophet could figure out what he was saying in Psalm 22 when he says this, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls from Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as ravening, roaring lions. I am poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a old used pot. You've laid me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look at me and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothes they cast lots. Do you possibly think that the prophet who was saying this thing knew that he was prophesying about Jesus on the cross? That they pierced my hands and my feet? Do you think he had a mental image of that? He just said it. He just said it. He didn't know what he was saying, but God was saying it. God knew what he was saying. God knew that we were talking about 
Jesus on the cross. God was telling us through the prophet 2,000 years before it happened that in the book of John, the story would go like this. The soldiers, therefore, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part for every soldier, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. They said, therefore, to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. God had predicted this to happen 2,000 years before it happened, and he wrote about it so that you and I would be able to see the person who wrote this book has to be a God. He has to be able to see the future because the future came out just like the psalmist said. It has to be. That's what makes the Bible so incredible that it could predict the future. And God did over and over and over again. He just predicted the future and predicted the future and predicted the future. And it means that you can believe in him because the future always got fulfilled the way he predicted it over and over and over again. And he made types and shadows of different things that he was going to do, all to give us mental pictures of what the Gospels would tell us were being done so that we would know that only God could have written this book. There's nobody else that could know the future like that. God had this planned out before he created the earth and wrote it down for our benefit to prove, it proves to us that this is a book written by God, the God of the universe, wrote us a book and he proves it by doing prophecies thousands of years before they actually happen. Not a small time. Now, I'm not prophesying what happened to you next week. I'm not doing that. I'm going to prophesy to you what will happen in a thousand years from now so that you believe what is written in this book. The odds against what the prophet said about Jesus being born of a virgin and Jesus being born in Bethlehem and Jesus being born when there's a lot of trouble and turmoil and that the the king who was reigning at that time would take and have all the children that were less than two years old have them killed. That was prophesied about. What are the odds that those prophecies could come true? Just saying that it was prophesied that the king would kill all the people two years old and younger. That would be like winning the lottery if you could predict such an event happening. But to add another prophecy to that would cause the odds to grow exponentially. In other words, if it was 76 billion to one that 
you would hit the lottery and then to say, I'm going to hit the lottery twice, that brings it up into the 70 quintillions, just so many zeros that it takes a few pages to write down all the zeros. That's how much the odds would be against you being able to do such a thing. But the Bible does it over and over and over again, just like there's no trouble at all for me to tell you what will happen in 1900 years. I'll, I'll give you all kinds of pictures of what will happen. Over and over, I'll do this. You never know which prophet I'm going to do it through, but I'll speak through whoever I want, and they won't be able to interpret what I'm saying, but they'll say something that the apostles who preach the gospel will be able to point to and say that was predicted 2,000 years ago, just so we would know that this Bible is authentic. This is God-breathed material by God. It's just by God. No human wrote this book. It was written by God. Do you get it? It was written by God. It was written by God. Do you get that? God wrote the Bible. God did. God wrote it. And we get the pleasure of reading it. And he'll tell us all that we need to know about life just by reading his book. And he'll tell you, like it says in 1 John 2, we have the anointing so we do not need that a man should teach us anything, but the anointing is true and not counterfeit, and it guides us into all truth, and it teaches us to abide in God. Abide in God, not in human determination. Use the power of God to live your life. That's what this book from God is telling us. Can you hear it? Do you have ears to hear? Can you understand it? That it's a book from God. And he's telling you, depend on me because nobody can depend on you. I can make the heavens and the earth. And that's what happens at the end of time. He creates a new heaven and a new earth and everything is perfect. And the lion will lay down with the lamb and the kid can put his hand in the den of a snake and everything is cool because God has made it all cool. That's the good news. That's what he's telling us happens at the end of time for us. And if all those other prophecies came true, then we know that the prophecies about us in the future will come true. He's got a good track record. He is. It's an anointed book. You guys, it's an anointed living book that teaches you how to live and it's a simple message just let god do it through you it doesn't get any simpler than that but that's why bill and i trip out on this bible so much because it's just been proven to us over and over and over again that the book was written by somebody that was more than just a mere mortal human being they weren't smart enough to do that and put all the nuances in there that that never make a mistake they never get it wrong did you know that there's no place in, in, in the bible where 
man is thanked for the things that he does, it's just not there. God never thanked man. The Bible is it's faithful to never ever saying, thank you humans, you did for me what I couldn't do. It never makes that mistake. It is a Bible written by a God. You know a human would make that mistake. Somehow, some way, we wouldn't get it right. But it wasn't written by a human. We just have to concede the point. A human did not write the book. That's why I trip out on it so much and have for the last 30 years. It's why I'm consumed with the desire to keep reading because the book is so much more than just a book to read. I, I don't know how else to express it, but the book is phenomenal, supernatural, unexplainable. So hopefully you can see why Bill and I put so much importance on the Bible, and we always point to the scriptures that prove what we're saying. We don't ever want to say anything without a scripture also saying it. We only want to point to scriptures. You'll never have an issue with Steve or Bill because they're just going to point to a scripture. All your issues will be with the scriptures themselves and if you know what a fantastic book this is, you will let the scriptures win the day. They'll rule the day. They'll have the importance that they should have. So I just want you to realize why we put so much importance on the Bible, Lord. And I, I want to pray that you would put importance on the Bible too, that would become part of your daily routine and that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that God would give you the mind of Christ when you read this book, this ever so glorious book, that you would have the mind of Christ and not have to use your own human intellect because you'll never understand a thing. It takes the spirit of God to understand these spiritual thoughts expressed in spiritual words. So I pray, Father God, that you give them the ability to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God, the love that surpasses human capabilities, Father. I pray that you give them a glimpse of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.